Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. Whoa, a lot of news going on today. In the studio with us, we have uh, two common sense Democrats. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. Welcome, Judge. And we have Governor David Patterson. Welcome, Governor. Thank you. And Ed Cox. I'm surrounded by Democrats. You're surrounded by Democrats, New York (laughs) State Chairman, and Rita Cosby sitting right next to me. And I understand we got some... Breaking news, WABC. Yeah, big fire at the iconic Tiffany store, the flagship store in New York City on Fifth Avenue. And joining us now is the commissioner of the FDNY, Laura Cavanaugh. Uh, Commissioner, so great to have you here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, fill us in. I, I actually drove by it a little bit ago. Uh, it was a bad fire, and they just spent, was it like $500 million on renovation? They just reopened. So it, it looked bad, but luckily uh, it did not affect Tiffany's at all. It was actually a transformer fire. Uh, units responded quickly this morning and put it out and handed the scene over to Con Ed. I mean, we can't go in and help clean it up. I'd love to help clean it up. Yeah, and Cox (laughs) wants to go in and clean it up. You know, know, so it was a transformer fire, but it didn't affect Tiffany's. Everybody was covering it. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, they had to make sure that the CO levels were safe. They had to evacuate the building to make sure everything was okay. But ultimately, uh, Uh, the diamonds still there when they evacuated the building. (laughs) I saw that movie. (laughs) I've seen focusing on the important stuff. Yeah, usually it's the girl who says that, right? You know, (laughs) you know, it's always something in New York City. Yeah, forever. It always is. So the good news is, you know, it's interesting. They block traffic. Um, It was quite a zoo. Uh, I was going by there, and I thought, oh, is it Biden in town? Because uh, you know he's in town doing an interview with NBC. Uh, But it was Tiffany's, so that caused a little traffic. But luckily, nobody was injured, and Tiffany's is okay. That's fantastic. That's wonderful news. And I guess they'll reopen soon, or they plan to reopen soon? I think so, yeah. Okay, so Laura, we're going and getting diamonds. Thank you. (laughs) Laura, uh, Commissioner Kavanaugh, also you took some further action on bicycles or something, or the electric bicycles? Yeah, you know, last week I announced with the mayor that we were going to proactively investigate some of these locations, and we did that this week, and we found one. Um, You know, we're very lucky we got ahead of it. It was filled with uh, illegal batteries. It had... uh, different rooms in the illegal rooms in the basement and in the back uh, and as we we're taking the batteries out they burst into flames so it was one of those situations oh we're very God. close very close call we're very grateful uh the local company showed up uh and investigated and, and called in the task force and we were able to mitigate it before it, it hurt anybody but just trying to get the word out to new yorkers you know these things are really dangerous uh and we want them to take it, it let, let me ask you commissioner about electric cars you know they weigh twice as much almost as regular cars and People were afraid on some of the garages might have another collapse or something. Is anybody doing an audit on that? Well, so I know that DOB has done some inspections there, and and our members actually drill on these electric cars to make sure we understand what this new technology confronts us with. So we're definitely getting ahead of it as a city. Well, Laura Cavanaugh, police, uh, police commissioner. No, fire commissioner. Don't start any rumors. I won't start no rumors. Yeah, I was going to say, there's an opening. Wait a minute. Thank you, thank you uh, Laura, and have a great 4th thank of July guys. weekend, and I hope everything is peaceful. Stay safe. Thank, thank you for you. calling in. 
fantastic. And by the way, what another huge news day this has been, John. That was a big update on uh, Tiffany's um, and big way, action. I get, I get a, a text from my pilot, yeah. uh, Roger. And look at uh, the Canadian smoke is already in Ithaca, New York. Oh, my goodness. he lives in Roger. Dennis lives in uh, Ithaca, New York. That, that uh, smoke from Canada is coming in. And it's supposed to be headed here. And by the way, later on in the hour also, John, we have Dr. Mark Siegel, who's going to talk about the air quality and a big thing on aspartame. So everybody got to stay tuned aspartame to that. Aspartame will kill you. It will. And maybe the smoke might do. So there's a lot going on here today. But meantime. And the and the chauffeur. Oh, oh yeah, you 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 got a beautiful gift today. You got you got a, a Jewish chauffeur, which is the horn symbolizing sort of the start of the holy holy days uh, for Israel. And the rabbi and taught me how to blow the chauffeur. He did, and it was beautiful. By the way, uh, and obviously you've done so much for the Jewish community, so that was a great honor for you, John, and well deserved, my friend. And by the way, today well, big well, news. Go, That's where we're Dershowitz. going on the Supreme Court. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, huge news today coming from the highest court in the land, basically outlawing race as a decision in college admissions. How monumental is this decision? It's monumental. It finally restores the legacy of Martin Luther King. I was there in August of 1973, 63, on the mall, when I heard Martin Luther King utter the following words. I have a dream that my children will someday be judged by the quality of their character, not by the color of their skin. And the Supreme Court today, for the first time, validated Martin Luther King's dream. He said to Martin Luther King, your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, if they apply to Harvard University in North Carolina, they will be judged by their grades, by their recommendations, by their test scores, but not by the accident of race or religion or gender or any of these other factors. It's a great day for America, a great day for Harvard University, where I taught for 50 years. I don't think very many people in Harvard appreciate that. The president already made a statement about how awful it was, and she promised she would comply with it. But we'll... So, we'll pro- Professor Ed- wait, wait, wait. Are they going to take down your statue in, uh, on ha- in Harvard? Is that what you said? <laughs> okay. They took that down a long time ago. Uh, okay, oh, Professor Ed, Ed Cox here. How, how no airtight is this decision, or are the professors at Harvard going to find a way around it? They'll find a way around it. Already, Professor Lawrence Tribe uh, had urged Harvard to find a way around it because it was anticipated it would come down. Here's the one little loophole. There used to be loopholes big enough for Harvard Stadium to go fit into it. But now there's a little tiny loophole. What it says is, look, an applicant can talk about his race if his race had an impact on his uh, disadvantage or had an impact on his uh, incentives to work hard. But you can't use race alone, but you can – Mention race as part of the whole package. Now, you know, that will be exploited and taken advantage of. And the real question is what the university admissions committees do with that. In the statement issued by Harvard, they emphasized that sentence, which was just a small sentence buried in the middle of the decision. But that's the one that they're going to focus on and emphasize. So there are going to be efforts to circumvent it. Look, there is a quota system at places like Harvard, Columbia, Princeton, Uh, all have quota systems. If you get below 10% of black students, there will be demonstrations. And so they're not going to get below 10%. They're going to keep the quotas in place. 
but they're going to figure out other ways of achieving those quotas. Now, the real question is, what effect will this have on Asian Americans, who have really been the group that has been hurt most? Uh, in order to get into an elite school, if you're an Asian American, you have to have much, much higher uh, grades. And um, by the way, by the way, Professor Dershowitz, that was the reason I thought the I was watching the press conference from the Asian student who was the guy who who create who you know was the impetus right the for that case for Harvard. He was so eloquent. He's like, look, I had the same grades, I had even better grades, and yet he got turned down to Harvard. He was going to a school in Georgia now. Uh, go ahead, uh, Judge Weinberg. Alan, I think you're absolutely right. The admissions committee is going to wink at it. They're going to look at. The essay, which says the impact on, on race, on his or her uh, history and why he was applying, what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, they're going to go wink, and, wink, and nod, nod, nod. Right. Yeah, wink, wink. And well, also we'll economic status. Alan, yeah. they'll do economic status. So they won't say well, it's race, but they'll say it's well, less than $50,000. Well, here's the thing with economic status. The vast, vast, vast majority of poor and disadvantaged people in the United States are white. The vast, vast, vast majority are white. It may be a high percentage mm. of blacks are also disadvantaged, but the vast majority of disadvantaged people are white. So if they look at economic disadvantage, it's going to give a slight preference to, to blacks, but not others. But let me get, tell you what the real problem is. Harvard didn't take for the most. When I started focusing on affirmative action 50 years ago and opposing it, writing articles about it, Harvard was taking elite black applicants they're, they were taking students whose father was a federal judge, whose mother was a hedge fund operator, who went to Groton and Exeter, and they had all the advantages, and they were taking them over a kid from from uh, Kentucky whose mother died of a fentanyl overdose, whose father was an alcoholic, who went to a poor public school and worked his way up and had better grades than the black applicant because the very fact of race counted more than all of these factors together. That's unfair, unjust, immoral. Now, thankfully, it's also unconstitutional. And uh, Professor Dershowitz, we've got uh, former New York Governor David Patterson. Go ahead. So, Alan, I'm wondering, uh, what about the affirmative action that exists now that doesn't have anything to do with race? In other words, if you're you're an athlete and uh, they're recruiting you for school, two-thirds of the time you get into the school. If you are a legacy of what? That's wrong. And I think the schools ought to abolish legacy admissions. You know, that hurts me, obviously. My, you know, my grandchildren went to Harvard. Um, I taught at Harvard. You know, they went to Horace Mann. I, they got admitted on the merits, of course. But the, the there are advantages to being a legacy and being an athlete or living in certain areas. You know, you know the famous story. I was actually at this meeting uh, when affirmative action first began. A group of Jewish faculty members went to the dean of admissions at Harvard and said, look, we approve of there being more African-American students, but, but don't take that quota out of the Jewish quota. You increase the number of African-American students by about 8 percent, and you decrease the number of Jewish students by 8 percent. And that, that seems unfair. And so the dean said, no, 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 it's nothing to do with being Jewish. We just take students from the inner cities, but not the kind of donuts around the cities. And one professor I wish it would me said, Dean, those aren't donuts. They're bagels. Uh, <laughs> like Westchester and Shaker Heights, and so they were, you know, implicitly discriminating in that way. Yeah, and um, and and uh, look, we want. I I I love the fact that there were more African American students in my class over the years because they contributed enormously and a different perspective, particularly when they came from poor backgrounds. 
and had had seen police abuse and had witnessed it and had experienced it. That's great when you have people's experiences, but race alone absolutely um, sends a terrible message. And it, Professor Dershowitz, but message of inferiority to. To, to people who are given privilege. Before we let you go, I got to get your reaction to what everybody's talking about this. Uh, what President Biden said today, he was asked about the decision. He's furious. Um, and he was asked, is this a rogue Supreme Court? He says it's not and, a normal. He says he, it's not a normal Supreme Court. Yeah. What's How your reaction? President? Well, he should know a little bit more about history. Uh, the Supreme Court over the years has always been very, very conservative. It only became liberal when I was a law clerk with Earl Warren, the Warren Court, uh, starting in the early 1950s. And then it turned and became more conservative uh, under Nixon. Then it became more liberal. It varies over time. And that's the the greatness of the court. And that's why we should have uh, term limits. Uh, Nobody should be able to serve 40 years on the court. People should serve 20 years on the court. There should be greater turnover. So, but we have to have a constitutional amendment probably to do that. But um, uh, it, no, it's a normal court. And as I said before, this was a liberal decision rendered by a conservative court. But it's a liberal decision. Uh, the first person to suggest this was Justice Douglas, Bill Douglas, the most liberal <laughs> person ever to serve on the Supreme Court. Right. And he said, "No, you can't use race." You use economic factors, you use personal disabilities, anything like that, but not race. So this is a liberal decision written by conservatives with liberals dissenting. Well, we really had such an amazing turnabout was who's a liberal and who's a progressive and who's a conservative. I think that should be my next book. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. By the way, your book now is Get Trump, which is awesome. And we're thrilled to have you here. Professor Dershowitz, thank you very much. We appreciate you being with us on Cats and Cosby. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, John, we're going to go to a break. We got coming up Miranda Devine, who is always very, very interesting. And then, uh, the, uh, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. I hope we have time for him. Yeah, Jason Smith. He's coming up. He's got all the IRS whistleblower stuff. Bombshells coming up, everybody. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. Yeah, and a uh, big day, by the way, in the Hunter Biden stuff. Uh, Hunter Biden was set to be deposed uh, basically for the first time about his laptop. And joining us now is Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Uh, Miranda, fill us in. This is an interesting one. Yes, well, he's been there in Wilmington, Delaware, just a short distance, a couple of miles from his father's estate, uh, giving a deposition since 9 a.m., so he's now over eight hours. Um, in this defamation action brought by John Paul Mac Isaac, who's the owner, um, of course, of the laptop repair shop where Hunter Biden dropped off his iMac back four years ago. And John Paul Mac Isaac is uh, basically now finally trying to get some sort of redress for the four years of um, complete lies about the laptop and about him. And he lost his business um, in the end. They had to close that very successful store and uh, he was called a liar. People said that he'd stolen the laptop, that it was hacked, that it was Russian disinformation, that he was a Russian agent, etc. So he's now uh, going to court and Hunter Biden has to spill the beans and it's been you know, a long and I assume grueling uh, deposition in which um, John Paul MacIsaac's lawyers will have asked him all sorts of questions. Um, you know, is the laptop his? I mean, we know it is. The FBI authenticated it back in 
you know, the beginning of 2020. Um, and, uh, and questions I'm sure will be asked, such as, um, were you lying or was it the truth that your father was in the room with you when you sent that shakedown message to uh, your Chinese business partner for $5 million back in July of 2017 when you were um, at your father's house? Wow, that could, so that could be a huge one. Um, do you think we're going to find out what was said behind closed doors? Uh, what do you think? It seems like everything on the other side leaks. So what about on this one? Well, look, I think unlike with the London Roberts um, baby mama case in Arkansas where the judge sealed um, a lot of the information, although we have today some breaking news on that story. Yeah, um, fill us in. Unlike there, I think in this case, um, I think the information will come out. There's no reason why it wouldn't. And Hunter Biden was videotaped uh, giving this, um, so we may even see the video. Now, the breaking news about London Roberts is that um, just a few minutes ago, um, they have released the final settlement in that um, lawsuit in which Hunter Biden was asking to have uh, the $25,000 a month he was paying in child support for the four-year-old little girl, maybe Roberts, who was born um, uh, to this uh, exotic dancer that he had a relationship in Washington, D.C. five years ago um, over several months and pretended that he didn't know who she was and that the baby wasn't his until she got a DNA test. He successfully managed to, uh, according to the settlement, reduce those payments um, it's redacted on the um, the court papers, but I believe that it's around gone from about twenty five. I've gone from twenty five thousand to about five thousand dollars. Wow! Um, she's also dropped her uh, request to, um, that maybe Roberts takes the Biden surname. Um, but she, what she has got out of the deal that's fresh is um, she's got. Apparently, Hunter has to hand over paintings that he's done, several of them, um, a year to Navy Roberts, which will be um, either London Roberts will be able to sell them in a gallery or she'll keep them for the little girl. (laughs) By the way, we're all laughing because we're like, we know what those paintings, go ahead, Judge. Miranda, (laughs) those those paintings are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, even though they look like a second And we don't know who bought them. I mean, what was that about? Exactly. I mean, it's a classic money laundering ploy. Um, so they're, they're worth a lot of money to somebody, she must think. But, I mean, she may end up with a whole bunch of worthless canvases. I, yeah, I, I think that's say, more they, likely. I, I think it's more it, likely. It looks like a second grader did them. I mean, you know, come on, who's spending that kind of money? That's what opens the door, you know? And it's not a Picasso. Who knew? Yeah, I know. I know, based on the prices. Well, this could be a bombshell, by the way. Keep us posted, Miranda, um, especially on the Hunter Biden stuff with the laptop. If it turns out that he has to talk about who was in the room and not in the room, this could be big stuff. Miranda, thank you very, very much. Great to talk to you all. You too. Thank you. And uh, now uh, we have the... Uh, uh, the current uh, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Yep, Jason Smith. Jason uh, Smith bombshell. and bombshells. More bombshells all day. I mean, that that is the most uh, uh, important committee in Congress, right, uh, Ed? Ways and Means, absolutely. Let, That's let's it. go to that interview. With us today is Congressman Jason Smith, the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee in Congress, the most powerful uh, congressional committee. Nothing could happen without the Ways and Means Committee approving it. Uh, Congressman Smith, uh, welcome to the uh, Cats Roundtable. Welcome to WABC. 
there's so many things happening in Washington, so many people worried about the truth and what's really going on. Uh, what can you tell us this Sunday morning, this 4th of July uh, morning? It's, it's great to be with you, um, as always. You know, people are very concerned. Uh, the, the politicization the and the misconduct at the Department of Justice and the IRS during, during the investigation into Hunter Biden, um, it, it reveals a two-tiered system of justice and unequal application of, of the law. And according to these whistleblowers that came, um, came to my committee, and through depositions, they, they claim the Justice Department um, has refused to follow evidence that implicated Joe Biden, tipped off Hunter Biden's attorneys. It, uh, it allowed the clock to expire in the statute of limitations for um, tax fraud charges for 2014 and 2015. And it put, um, put tax chief Hunter Biden on the path towards a sweetheart plea deal. That's the kind of stuff we've been dealing with. That's virtually what we exposed with the, the whistleblower testimony last week, and um, it's leading to investigations, actually. Uh, understood. Now, uh, these whistleblowers, are we going to be able to get proof one way or another uh, that these things actually occurred uh, versus uh, uh, just uh, somebody saying it? You know, that's exactly why just today, myself, um, Jim Jordan, and Jamie Comer sent a letter to the Justice Department, to the FBI, and to the IRS um, requesting in-person interviews of a dozen, um, a handful of, of their employees. And these are people that were all mentioned by the whistleblowers as people that were there and um, we're gonna we're gonna see if their facts add up to the whistleblower facts. Uh, understood. Uh, I mean, uh, we had uh, uh, the other day in our uh, studio. We had uh, uh, Congressman uh, uh, Jim uh, Cohen, uh, and uh, he's investigating similar uh, objects. What is the difference in the investigation in the Ways and Means Committee versus his committee? Well, all three of us is part of this letter um, where we're asking for these investigations. In Jamie's committee, they're only going to be interviewing the FBI employees. And Jim Jordan's are going to be interviewing the Department of Justice employees. And in our committee, you're going to be interviewing any IRS investigator or employee. The interesting part with all the information that we released last week that included the WhatsApp message that has gotten a lot of attention that Hunter Biden sent to um, a Chinese business uh, partner. Um, the items of showing how the Justice Department has delayed, divulged, and denied um, IRS whistleblower investigators throughout the process. The only reason why this information was able to be released is, as Ways and Means Chairman, under a statute called 6103, we're able to um, get confidential um, taxpayer information. And the only way that these IRS whistleblowers were able to speak to anyone, to me and my team under 6103, and that is where they, they, they released this information, they documented this information, and that's why last week we had to vote to make it public. So Jamie Comer 
and Jim Jordan could actually have the material that we did. They knew nothing about this until we released it on Thursday. Understood. Now, uh, question. Um, can't we give, I mean, somebody in the FBI has to be able to tell the truth. Uh, I mean, one of the discussions were uh, some people were were afraid that uh, 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 Christopher Ray didn't really know what was going on. And other people in the FBI were doing it. I mean, do we know the truth? I mean, there's got to be honest people at the FBI. I believe that is honest people there. Can't, can't somebody stand up and say this is what's going on? You know, it's just like any business. Um, it's the same way with people who I serve with in Congress. There's good apples and there's bad apples. You have that with the FBI. You have that with the Justice Department. You have good apples and you have bad apples. It just happens to be the bad apples, the ones that are 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 the ones you're seeing a lot of attention to but we have to get down to the bottom of it find out this information and that's why um these are steps along the way imagine none of this information was would have ever been able to come forward if the house republican didn't win the majority in january and this information has been taking some time for us to to get you know my first week as chairman um, John, my first week as chairman, I set up this whistleblower hotline for any employee of the IRS to, to let me know as chairman of the Ways and Means Committee who has oversight over the IRS if there's something that we should look at and look at all these whistleblowers that came forward. They never had that opportunity before then. Understood. Um, the Department of Justice, there's got to be some old timers there that want to tell the truth. The same thing as the FBI. So, I mean... My recommend you're the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. I think that offering uh, maybe immunity to, to or for whistleblower status at the FBI and the Department of Justice, because the only thing the American people want is the truth, and uh, that's what we really want. Um, we've got a minute left. What would you like to talk about? You know, the American people deserve the truth, John, and that's why we have to continue to fight to get this information, to make sure that we deliver the factual, correct information. And anything that's been trying to be hidden, we need to make that to have some sunshine. Understood. Uh, Congressman, Chairman uh, Smith of the Ways and Means Committee, thank you, and God bless America, and happy Fourth of July weekend. Happy Fourth of July, and it's great to be with you, my friend. Thank you. Wow. That was the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, the most powerful uh, uh, position in Congress. Uh, yeah. Well, Ed Cox, what say you? I mean, you know about those things in Washington. They're going after every which way they could. The IRS, the uh, so Department let's get of Justice, straight. the FBI, different committees. So, yeah. going so in parallel. the Ways and Means Committee is going after the FBI and the Ways and Means Justice. They're going after IRS. IRS. Yeah, James uh, going Comer. After IRS. Yeah, James Comer, who we had yesterday here uh, with us, uh, is going after FBI. Jim Jordan's going after DOJ. And they're sort of all, some of them are intermingling, you know, and, because and, of the and, information. You know, what I said, 
that one of them has to stand up and tell the truth for the American people. Uh, soon, the, soon the legacy press is going to have to cover it because the evidence is getting so apparent. I feel like it's starting to. I was watching the White House briefing, and they're starting at least asking some questions. But Biden keeps going, no, I don't know what you're talking no, no, about. No, no, no. <laughs> We're due for a break. we got one 30 a, seconds for the judge, 30 seconds for Governor Patterson. Okay, there's a new media narrative, which is all Biden cares about is protecting his son, who's a poor drug addict. Why is everybody paying attention to other stuff? It's all awful. It's not true. His son's a wonderful kid, never did anything wrong, and they're buying into it. What so, about a great artist? And he's, of course, as Lorraine Devine's established, he's a great artist as well. <laughs> Governor? Well, it certainly seems that evidence is mounting, and it's so interesting how when you're on the other end of it, no matter which party you're in, how they try to stifle it, but I don't think they'll be able to do it if that evidence is true. Okay, let's go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Congressman Michael Lawler. Well, congestion pricing. They're going to break everybody in Manhattan, and there's going to be no open stores at all. Let's take a break. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And we, Manhattan, New York City has a big problem. They're telling everybody from the outer boroughs, stay away. They're telling everybody from New Jersey, stay away. We're going to charge you, where was it, $23, $33, they're telling Westchester County, Nassau County, uh, Suffolk Rockland. County, Rockland County, stay away. What Just what the, we need now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, of all times, John. I mean, this is so these crazy. These guys have to come to, uh, to to Jewish doctors in New York that they say is the best doctors. <laughs> right? How are they going to get to the best doctors? They're going to have to That's pray. Racism. Pay a tax before you go. They want the people from Rockland County to go to worse doctors. Rita, bring in Congressman Let, Lawler. Let's go to New York Congressman Michael Lawler. Congressman, this is obscene. I mean, it really is. Uh, it things are tough enough in New York. And now they're going to find another reason not to come in. I mean, it's ridiculous. Listen, if if the crime didn't keep everybody out of New York City, congestion pricing certainly will. I mean, this is uh, absolute lunacy. It has nothing to do with reducing congestion and everything to do with a money grab. As I've said repeatedly, the MTA is the worst run authority in the country. uh, And they believe the outer boroughs and the suburbs are their ATM machine. Uh, in Rockland County, where I live, where I uh, represent, we do not have a one-seat ride. Express rail service has been limited. Uh, the MTA has basically uh, told us to, to drop dead. I mean, they tried during the pandemic to, to eliminate rail service uh, to west of Hudson uh, commuters. And so we've been forced to commute into uh, New York City and, and Midtown and Lower Manhattan by driving. And not only do we pay some of the most expensive tolls in the country, now we would pay an additional $23 in congestion pricing tax. 
So the average, you know, Rockland County resident, Westchester resident, uh, outer borough resident driving in uh, would be paying about $5,000 a year more uh, in taxes. And that's the cop, the firefighter, the nurse, the teacher. It's outrageous. You know, Congressman. Totally outrageous. And Governor Hochul should be ashamed of herself. Also, what about, um, I was seeing also like uh, cab drivers, um, some of the livery guys, all of these guys, they made you like a set amount once a week or something different for them. But that's still, they're wacky. Those guys don't make a lot of money. Yeah, well, they may get exempted. Uh, Isn't that right? Well, they're uh, trying Michael? to. They're trying to that's, right now. They're, they're looking at potential exemptions, including for New Jersey. And, you know, I've said, uh, look, if New Jersey is going to get an exemption, and I would totally uh, understand it, but then so should Rockland and Westchester and everybody in the MTA region and all the outer boroughs. I spoke to uh, Governor Murphy uh, yesterday, and Governor Murphy says he's uh, uh, he's decided to sue, and he's suing New York, and um, I don't know what the case is, but he promised to come on WABC when he, when the lawsuit is filed. Well, and he should. And, you know, Josh Gottheimer and I introduced legislation earlier this year uh, that would uh, say to Governor Hochul and Jana Lever, the MTA chair, uh, if you want to proceed forward with congestion pricing, then you do so without federal dollars. Uh, we are not going to give the MTA uh, the $2 billion in capital funds anymore. And we're going to use that money to create a tax credit uh, for uh, suburban and outer borough and New Jersey commuters who are getting hosed by this scam. Uh, this is truly outrageous. The MTA uh, has been mismanaged for years. You're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue lost every year because of those who jump, uh, you know, the turnstiles and don't pay uh, to use. The we have $800 million a year of jumping turnstiles, and they're only going to collect $800 million a year from congestion pricing. Right. So, so, so this is the absurdity of all of this. And and as far as I'm concerned, you know, my commuters have been paying into the MTA system. The governor just fleeced our, our small businesses by increasing a payroll tax on them in the state budget for a billion dollars. Uh, and now you want congestion pricing. It's wrong. There's a reason people are leaving this state in droves. They cannot afford to live here. And now New York State has a projected $13 billion budget deficit. The incompetence at, at in our state government. Uh, is just a disgrace, uh, and and they just want to add more taxes, more fees, and stifle uh, the ability of businesses to grow and thrive here and residents to live here. It it's is shameful. crazy. Uh, Congressman Michael Lawler, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Governor Patterson, it looks like you got a really quick question. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to confirm with the congressman that the projected deficit for 2024-25 is $13 billion? Yeah. That's what the controller is, the controller is projecting out. And this is, you know, this in a state where we had a $178 billion budget prior to COVID and now have a $229 billion budget. It is unsustainable. You, you see Wall Street uh, closing up shop here, shrinking their operations, moving to Florida and uh, Atlanta and Dallas and Salt Lake City. Uh, this is a major calamity, uh, and the chickens are coming home to roost, and Kathy Hochul has no plan to fix it, not one. All right. Well, I, I, John is trying to put up some Exodus music, <laughs> because that's how it feels like in New York. Oh, wait, here it is.
No, no Zach, 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 yeah, he's got something else on his iPhone. Where, where's there. the Exodus music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're feeling it though. We're feeling it, Congressman. They're, they're leaving. Yeah, they're Not leaving. Not only the Jews, everybody else too. <laughs> everybody is. Everybody is. Congressman, we Thank love you. you. Congressman. Thank you. All right, thanks so okay. much. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. There's a little bit of a... Right, there we go. They're leaving. I can see the Jews. Yeah, everybody's leaving. The blacks are leaving. Everybody's leaving. The Hispanics are leaving. Yeah, they're all... I see them. I see the bridge from here. You know, they're not walking. They're running. They're running. Thank let's, you, let's Congressman. Doctor, let's go to Dr. Mark Siegel. Thank you. Let's People go. are dying from, from, from having aspartame, yeah. I understand. Yeah, by goodness. Uh, if there's not enough things going on, Dr. Mark Siegel... Uh, are they leaving in droves from Exodus with the uh, aspartame sweetener now? No. I mean, this is all a political play by the International Agency for Research on Cancer, part of the WHO, to suddenly make this statement years after this has been studied. I mean, granted, there, there's multiple studies over the years that show an increased risk of cancer in mice. Uh, or rats, if you bombard it with this stuff, I think rats are at risk anyway. Depends on what they're eating for garbage for for dinner, right? But but in terms of people, they studied a hundred thousand people in France last year and showed that you have to take a ton of this to actually increase your can- your cancer risk slightly. FDA is not calling this a cancer risk. The American Cancer Society is not calling it a cancer risk. If you have one diet soda, you're not. We're talking about. I mean, I don't know how they make this right hand turn before. They said 12 to 26 cans a day, if you're 60 kilograms, increases your cancer risk. And now suddenly they're, they're blasting it from the sky. It's going to lead to a lot of problems. And the one thing missing in all of this, Rita, is what about sugar? I mean, okay, you get rid of your Diet Coke and you have a regular Coke and the sugar makes you obese and that increases your cancer risk, obesity. So I think it's a big overreaction. I think I think everybody's looking for a political agenda. WHO for sure does that. All right. I was, I was, I was bringing in some funeral music. <laughs> we had a dirge. I mean, we had a dirge. I can, I can prognostic it. Everyone's going to die eventually. That's my prognosis, right? But I, it probably won't be from aspirin. Can I get a prescription for that, doctor? <laughs> what? <laughs> to, to live to forever. I'll just stop drinking diet soda. That's all. Just tape on our mouths. Okay. Yeah, Doctor, nothing, what's the, what's the motivation? Right. Doctor, what's the motivation for doing this? So I do. I do. Believe me. Yeah, but by the way, he does. We saw him. He right. does. I have a bottle right here. And you, welcome to the show with me, Doctor. The question is, what motivates the WHO for doing this at this time? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think it's you know kind of they had a meeting and and they had a look back over things that have occurred and they and they probably overreacted to that French study and they and they don't understand the huge implications it has. I think it's also the idea that there's a lot more focus on on weight loss right now in the world because because there's a ton of obesity, huge obesity epidemic. Maybe they're trying to indirectly make a statement this ain't the way to to lose weight. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they got paid off by the Ozembic Wagovi Majuro industry. You know, we're not doing it by diet soda anymore. Now we're taking an injection every week. I mean, I don't know. But it's definitely the Doctor, wrong message. I, I, got a, I got a call from Ithaca, New York. The, the, the flume, yeah, the the flume air is coming. Oh, the flume. The flume. <laughs> the flume. The flume. From the Canadian <laughs> fires. Blog. What do you expect? I think they need to do a better job putting out fires out up there. You know, typically the left says it's all about climate 
change. But how about a fire department that knows how to put out a fire? I mean, most over 200 of these are still are still going along. The Midwest has been blanketed with smoke. We in New York are very myopic. We don't look west of the Hudson River. But I am looking at the map here that says we're back up to about 150, the air quality index, which means and we're heading in the wrong direction, which July 4th weekend means people with asthma, people with emphysema, people that are sensitive to allergies or to smoke. Here's the 64. The $64 billion question. Should I stay in the city or should I go to the Hamptons? Where is less fog? Well, the, if you go to the Hamptons, I'm having dinner with you. So, uh, <laughs> so the answer is go to the Hamptons. <laughs> you want to have dinner. You want to have a nice dinner with I them. look forward to it. And I'm also going to, to I'm going going to breakfast my into the man upstairs to get okay. the winds blowing from offshore to get rid of any smoke, John, so you can see real clearly out there. If you're bored at Saturday morning breakfast, come to breakfast. breakfast. Oh, the Saturday morning breakfasts are back. Yeah, you got to come to those. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you, doctor. No, I'll be in the city, sadly, but but I'm going to see you hopefully soon. Great. I look forward to it. Definitely. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, who are we coming back with? Michael Goodwin. Yeah. Oh, my God. What, What hot news is he at? He's got a lot of stuff on Hunter Biden. Definitely stay tuned, everybody. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Judge Weinberg, by the way, real quick, did you see uh, Biden didn't know if we're at war with Ukraine or with Iraq? Did you well, see that? He'll, he'll figure it out in the next couple of years. <laughs> oh, boy, will we figure it out. Wow, what a mess. Uh, let's go now to Michael Goodwin, of course, the Pulitzer Prize New York Post columnist. Uh, Michael, first off, uh, we're going to talk to you about Hunter Biden, but everyone's talking about all these gaffes of late. Yeah, well, Rita, it's not surprising that Joe Biden, uh, the, the heat is building on him in a lot of ways. I think there are a lot of Democrats who have doubts about him. <clears throat> not to mention uh, other Americans. And I, it, I suspect that um, he's, he's straining to create some memorable moments to show he's still fit to, to, to put people at ease with the idea of four more years. But then the gibberish that comes out of his mouth does just the opposite. Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, by the way, uh, we just had on earlier in the show, Michael Goodwin, um, Jason Smith, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, talking about the investigation into Hunter with the IRS. Uh, we had James Comer yesterday. He, of course, was talking about all the, you know, the parallel that he's doing with the FBI. Uh, we've had Jim Jordan on the show. All these investigations, where do you see things headed now with Hunter Biden, with all these messages coming out? And, and now in the last few days, very credible whistleblowers. Well, I think the whistleblowers are a real game changer here. Um, I mean, you, you, you go back, Rita, and it's only this is happening only because the Republicans won the House and they have put these really energetic chairmen into these main committees. You mentioned them all. Uh, and they are they are pushing. They are not standing still. And they are bringing the heat to the president, to the White House, to the Justice Department, to Merrick Garland. And the Democrats, you know, I think are somewhat bewildered by the speed that, that the Republicans have been able to produce these, these whistleblowers. And I think more are in the pipeline. Um, I would suspect that Hunter Biden's partners, 
uh, a man named Devin Archer, former partners Devin Archer, Rob Walker, whose wife worked for Joe Biden in the White House. Uh, I think all of these people are going to have to, under oath, answer questions, not only about Hunter Biden, of course, but about Joe Biden. And for that, I give Comer especially credit, because way back when he said, we are not investigating Hunter Biden. We are investigating Joe Biden. And I think that's what we're talking about here. That's what the Republicans have been able to do so that even the New York Times is forced to admit and forced to cover this. NBC has been covering it, CBS. Uh, you're beginning to, get, I think, get cracks in the media protection racket. And people are paying attention. More and more people are going to hear about this thing. My only concern is that the Republicans not try to jump ahead and do impeachment proceedings so quickly. You've got to build the case brick by brick so that the public is with you. But, uh, Michael, do you think that the legacy press, the New York Times, that they are moving the story now because they would like to see Biden, in fact, be replaced by another candidate because they realize how weak he's going to be a year from now if this Mm. continues? Look, that could be their motive. Um, And maybe it's the motive of some individual reporters or editors at those papers. I tend to look at it from a larger perspective, which is simply that they are now covering it. They are now covering the whistleblowers. They're covering the here, the uh, what Comer is saying. Not every day, not as much as they should, but they can't deny it. And I think that in in and of itself is a big breakthrough. They're no longer silent. They're no longer ignoring what is really big, big news. And is that because they're just so credible? I mean, I find this Gary Shapley guy who has been, as you pointed out, on CBS and elsewhere, he was a senior supervisory agent. I mean, and he's naming names of other very credible people that were in the room. Um, so it's not like just I, I use the expression sort of not just some willy nilly person. This is these are credible people. And I think the I, media I just is hope seeing it. Hunter Biden is not giving over state secrets that he hears in the White House, that he hears at Camp David giving it over to the to the Chinese. Yeah, and John, you had a blockbuster the other day. You were telling us that you were hearing, right, John, from sources. He was at Camp David with his father in the security briefing room, and uh, he... Um, last weekend, right? Last you were saying. weekend, and he heard everything in security about China when he was getting the... His father was getting the debriefing about China uh, from the Secretary of State. And he has no clearance. Zero clearance. No clearance. He'd be the last person is, to get clearance. That is a bombshell. Yes. That is a very big bombshell. Well, there's no doubt that he already did put out information that he could not have made up himself, but must have gotten from papers in his father's home, and he sent them to his clients in Ukraine. And that's Look, been made I mean, public. It just couldn't have, he couldn't, it just looked like a briefing capable. for the president he that he was reciting. He had a briefing paper that he ac- obviously accessed from the garage next to the Corvette, which he parroted. You that's mean all. that's not a secure place? You mean uh, with the of course door? it is. Of course it is. <laughs> you don't think Corvettes are secure? Yeah. Michael, let me tell you what troubles me most of all. And you pointed out when you started this conversation, you said it's because the leadership of the House Republicans controlling these committees with a subpoena power and investigative power. The problem is if the Republicans don't hold on to the House or win the Senate, all of this can be buried again. What do you say about that? Well, I, that's possible, but I tend to believe that we'll have a, have a resolution before the next right. election. Uh, 
I think the information is coming fast. I think that it's being digested. I heard the other day that Comer was hiring uh, a good number of new lawyers. Uh, There's a full court press going on, and if they can't do it in a year and a half, then they're probably never going to do it. So what's the end game? Then what's the end game, Michael, if it's coming that quickly? Well, look, I think at some point the question is going to come to Joe Biden. What are you going to do about this? Are you going to resign? Are you going to admit uh, no, we can't get that, Pamela. Yeah, no, Kamala, Kamala, yeah. Kamala. Who has the lowest yeah. ratings, by the way, John, so, and, and VP history. Did yeah. you see that the other day? 32% by the way, approval. Vice President Pence uh, went to U- Ukraine and uh, met with uh, Zelensky. Zelensky. Uh, any idea what, you, uh, what happened? Uh, I, I don't so far, but look, I, I, think, I think the whole war... Um, has become something of a sticky wicket here. Uh, I, I don't know what Putin is going to do now to show he's still in charge, but I wouldn't put it beyond him to, you know, up up the ante in the war, at least uh, in the short term, to show that he's not bowed by what happened with the uh, the attempted coup. I agree, by the way. That's what I think everyone's worried about, that he may do something uh, really erratic. <laughs> Um, Michael Goodwin, thank you. You are awesome. We love having you here on the show, Michael. Always a pleasure. Thank, thank you, Thank you so much. Guys, this was some great show. Wow. I mean, you, you found everything from t- breakfast at t- Tiffany's. <laughs> yes. Diamonds and, and, and Tiffany's. Don't forget Exodus. An yes. Exodus in between. <laughs> well, guys, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. On uh, this weekend's 247th, is it? Uh, birthday of the United States of America.